Hello and welcome back. I'm Jojo Fraser. It's time for a Mojo Injection, episode 76. Oh, it won't be long till we have the 100th episode party. The weeks are flying in. Um, oh, what a week. I feel so inspired by humans. I've met so many incredible humans. I've been coaching some incredible humans for the TEDx talk that's coming up next month, December. Um, and I saw Lisa from Make Seconds Count sing on the stage. I've been waiting for that moment since podcast episode three or four um, when they were on. And just blew me away with singing and I said I want to see you on stage I want to see you on stage and she smashed it like an angel um so that was incredible um just had a lovely lovely week and I'm really inspired by people and this episode oh my word I cried a lot I do this is an uncut podcast right the, the whole beauty of it is it's real and raw and people see it as free therapy and it helps but I don't like to kind of edit. It's really, really uncut. And I just had tears flooding down my face in this one, as did my amazing guest, Charlene. But it was really beautiful. Although it was hard to kind of talk about some of the stuff, it was just so empowering how, such a reminder of how it's it's really hard to lose the faith. Um, and when we get crushed and we go through trauma, you blame yourself, we have guilt. I see this time and time again, we feel guilty, we feel, angry and in denial and you go through all these processes but the first thing is shame guilt 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 and I hate that I hate the way our minds are wired but when we start to talk about it we can distance ourselves from these thoughts so I'm just honored to bring this episode to you but I would like to do a shout out first to the amazing guys at Float Philosophy who are supporting this episode. A lot of you will have seen on social that I was out um, chatting to Nick who um, launched this incredible um, floating high-end luxury in the west of Edinburgh and I went out to have my own floating tank 10 inches inches of heated epsom salt water i was floating in a cocoon a lot of people wrote and said was it claustrophobic and i said no you can actually leave some of the door open but it's not it doesn't i closed the door and i thought am i gonna get anxiety here but no really chilled me out and i had an hour lying there um and there's a lot of research i'm gonna get nick on the podcast soon to talk about this but there's so much research about when we have these experiences when we're blocking off all these sort of senses and these distractions and we're just locked away with no music you're just floating it's like floating in outer space um and you're in the dark and I felt so calm the week after. I think there's there's a lot of great studies I would encourage you to check out. I'd encourage you to go for a float yourself and also be an amazing gift to give someone an experience rather than just loads of things this Christmas. Get someone this experience to go and look after their mental health, to, to have a float and just to take that time out. Um, so if you're interested in hearing more about that, I'm sure a lot of you will have seen it on my social channels, but floatphilosophy.com, you can hear about how you can go out and um, look after your mind and your body, because there's great physical benefits too. Um, a lot of athletes are doing floating now, but um, just amazing to be collaborating with these guys and I'm excited to see what happens in the future. The only way is up. It was packed when I was there, um, which is a great sign. We're looking after our mental well-being. So our guest this week, oh Charlene, I just love her. Um, Charlene runs for Francesca. You can get her on Instagram um, at for Francesca underscore. 
Um, I'll tag her in all the the posts, but she is just incredible. Um, She went through a lot when she lost her baby, Francesca. Um, And she talks very, very openly about it here. And we talk about so much. It's such a journey. I met Charlene. I was doing a talk with Arlene from Forfredio uh, about my first book. And she was like a breath of fresh air. And she came up at the end. She was like, I loved your talk. I'm so excited to read your book. I love your energy. And was just so encouraging. And when you speak, you know, you still do have these thoughts, imposter syndrome and the critic comes in and it's learning to distance. And I'm learning to distance myself from it. But when you get like little angels just coming up to you, giving you those positive vibes, I can't tell you what it means just to go and approach the speaker and say you, you nailed it like well done and I, I just really got a sense of a lovely energy from her and I, I said look I've, I've looked at your blog I've heard your story will, will you come on and she said you sure me little old me and I'm like eh, yes you're amazing and um, what a journey we go on guys be all in listen with an open mind You may want to have some tissues, but don't be afraid of it because we need to have these discussions and you can relate this to any form of grief or trauma because it's the same reactions. And we all, as Charlene so eloquently says, we all have a story, we all have something. Um, So be all in here and learn and listen and you'll be amazed. I hope you're as amazed as I was and still am. Thank you, Charlene. You are an absolute legend. You're an angel and I'm proud to know you. Right, here she is. Welcome, darling. Hello. Hello. She is here. (laughs) It's amazing to have you. Thank you for driving through from Glasgow, especially for me. Oh, thank you for having me. I love driving through to Bonnie Old Edinburgh. Oh, Bonnie Old Edinburgh. (laughs) Yeah, and it's a Bonnie Old Day and it's Halloween today. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a bit spooky, and I wrote a quote the other week, and it was, you know, Halloween is only one day a year because masks are scary, so sometimes it's good to take it off. Um, and what I love about you, and you we've just been joking about brands, personal <laughs> brands, what was it, I wrote it down, accidental brands, pretty much what we are. You share, you take your mask off, mm-hmm. you share... And before you know it, you're a brand. People are coming up to you in the street and going, you're for Francesca's mum, you're and mommy Jojo, Jojo, you know, you become this label, this brand. And that's just the way of the world, isn't it? Yeah. But I think you're so inspiring. Um, so when you said to me, when you heard me speak, oh, you're brilliant, you're so inspiring. I was like, what? look at yourself, love. Like, <laughs> do you know, let's take a step back. And uh, you're amazing. Oh, thank you. Honestly, like, I... I'm just like sitting here cringing when you're saying that because I don't feel that at all and it's so lovely thank you very much for even taking the time to read my stuff and never mind think that I'm inspiring and and that way I still uh, take I I find it quite hard when people give me such lovely compliments to take them on board because I'm like what am I doing here like who am I that's British culture you know we're we're kind of conditioned to not shine too bright to and you, we were speaking about leaders earlier and you were saying there's a leader that you've worked with who's so humble uh-huh. and I write about that in my next book about a guy that was just so humble he had this presence um, and I often think oh, it's that balance between because being humble is a really good thing but mm-hmm. at the same time we need to learn to 
quieting down the imposter syndrome that we oh, all have yes. as well, you know? Oh my god, imposter syndrome is my life. That it's, is it. It's a dickhead. A total, oh, you're the asshole, imposter syndrome. <laughs> you really, really are. But I wish that there was a way, a big manual. There is lots of manuals and it's great people talk about imposter syndrome now, but I wish mm. somebody could just give me a wee switch that I could flick and go, right, I'm over it, I'm good, we're fine, this is who I am, I'm alright, I've got some things that I can see that you might understand or you could relate to but there's always this wee voice it's horrible and I, I think it's like the devil on your shoulder mm-hmm. you know telling you because I, I genuinely believe everyone has value no matter what they do how senior they are in a kind of corporate sense or whatever it doesn't have to be just with work it can uh-huh. be anything you know yeah. we like money you're your class system you're I don't even know if you're allowed to say that word now I don't even know what's correct with with race like what are you allowed to say with uh genders and all that stuff no matter what these labels that society tells us we can and can't say uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> i can't keep track yeah. of us, but, um, <laughs> but whatever we are all of value and i think at the root of everything we all need love we're all still a small baby that needs love yes so i, I think it's just reminding ourselves of that daily because uh-huh. the devil's not going to go from that shoulder, I don't think. I know. And I think we're in a generation now where we're actually really lucky that there's people like yourself and bloggers and writers and authors and journalists that are bringing up this imposter syndrome and mental health advocacy and talking about things like losing your baby, losing your partner, being grief, being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Because imagine how our grands and our past generations were. Yeah. They must have felt so alone. I'm sure they had all these feelings. But they weren't living in a world where they were allowed to talk about it. It wasn't acceptable. And they weren't even allowed to go to the pub to have a few drinks to loosen things up a bit. You know, the women stayed at home. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they were having like parties in the house, getting the vodka <laughs> down, talking about it all. They must have had some form of therapy, surely. They must have. They must have had something good on because they had all the same things that we dealt with. And we're a lot more... Like, we've got a lot more convenience now, so... Probably when you look at it, our lives are a lot easier yeah. in, in a lot of ways than past generations, but they still had to deal with all the same traumas that we do. Yeah, I know. It's uh, And I, even like films like The War, I really struggle with watching them. And it's because it, to me, it's insanity. Like we are living in an insane world <laughs> full of evil and crazy stuff, but there's so much light as well, mm-hmm. which is why I'm so glad you're here because you've been in a place where... It's just hell, you know, yeah. and, and no one no one should have to go through that. But you'll know the stats of how many people do, but far too many people. Yeah. And the fact that you've been able to talk about it, it's just amazing. Like, how do you, how have you got to that place? Because I'm sure it wasn't like that initially. No, thank you. Um, no, I just, it just wasn't an earl life's plan I guess like this wasn't supposed to happen this isn't our life what just happened to our baby like Mm. hold on a minute here we were supposed to be that couple that have been together me and Stephen have been together for 11 years now we just have such a laugh we do you know that way we'd done everything we'd had great times together just as us as a couple we'd been on holidays we'd decided right we're going to start a wee family it did take longer than expected. It was a couple of years and I was at a stage where you're thinking, oh, maybe this isn't going to happen for us. So see when the day that we found out we were pregnant with our first 
born our first daughter, Francesca, oh, we were just like, wow, mm-hmm. this is amazing. And see, to be honest, me and Stephen have never been baby people, right? We're not <laughs> kiddie-type people, but we always knew we wanted our own. Mm-hmm. We wanted to have something that was ours. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had just we just changed instantly as soon as we seen those wee lines in the test come back we were like oh my god we're going to be mums and dads and that's that's all everything's great and the grandparents the family were so excited for us and we just our life just changed we just planned for this wee beautiful bundle we were going to bring home and see before you know it you've planned the next 40 years of your life Mm -hmm. yeah you do don't you you're like we'll do this and we'll do that Uh you just get so excited and caught up in and you've got all these hormones flying around yes. as well so that adds to the elevation because they, they keep us sane through pregnancy yeah. well some, sometimes <laughs> they can also send us a bit insane but I know and then I had unfortunately I got hypermesis gravidarium I think that's how you say that HG okay. so I was continuously sick for the entire 41 weeks I was pregnant and I mean like ill ill so I didn't get to enjoy a lot of the things I hoped I would when I was pregnant like um, baby moons and things like that mm. but do you know what I still look back on that time even though I was sick up to like 20 times a day is oh. the happiest times of your life oh. we just were so happy we moved out of this new house and we could have, have pictured where she was going to play when she was older and done up her room and then I don't know just even thinking back on it we went up to the hospital, um, I was almost a week overdue and I'd been trying to hold it in my wife and just was, I was a wee bit worried because I'm like, oh God, what's going to happen with labour? I was terrified. It's scary and when you go overdue, I thought I was going to be early. My uh-huh. body's going to be like me, on time, on a duty, bang on. <laughs> it's going to be great. And uh-huh. then two weeks later I'm like, can you, can you get her out of me? I am massive and I'm scared and I don't, there was no, back in 2012, there was no chat about induction. Uh-huh. There was no um, awareness of it in the free classes you go to. Should yeah. have probably paid for the upgrade. But anyway. <laughs> no, um, but see that as well when you go to your classes, everything's like, oh, la da da when you go into labour, it's all going to be perfect. Like, you'll just breathe and you'll do this and you'll lean this way so it's not as sore. And I'm like, right, we've got this covered, Stephen, we're good. Stephen, I'm in labour, we're going to watch a film, we've not to go to the hospital, we've to relax. And <laughs> so you're like, and he was so excited and we just had went up to the hospital and I had noticed a wee bit of reduction in our movements, but she'd never really been such an active baby. Mm-hmm. But I was, in general, I'm a very anxious, highly strung, I would say, person anyway. I'm a warrior. Yeah, a lot of us are. Natural, uh-huh. um, you know, we're wired that way to worry. And people would always say, oh, don't worry, people have been giving birth for thousands of years, you'll mm-hmm. be fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's natural to worry, everything will be fine. So I started believing that and I think I wanted to believe everything was fine as well. Yeah. Went into the hospital, spoke to the midwives, they were lovely, um, said, right, okay, reduce movement's not great, we'll put you in a wee trace. So we're on a trace for about four or five hours, and the reason we were on it for so long was because in amongst that time they had noticed that her heartbeat was slightly erratic. Mm-hmm. But when they did their checks, she started to move frantically, actually. She started moving crazy, and I remember saying, oh, there she's moving. Uh-huh. So it was almost like, ah, oh, okay, baby's moving. Yeah. Phew, we're good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But then I was like, right, this is the other end of the scale here. She's moving frantically. Yeah. She's never did this before. Right. So they were like, right. And then they put the trace on. Heartbeat was erratic. They were like, right, we're just going to keep you on it for a few hours. Um, 
they had different midwives coming in, senior midwives, just checking the trace. And I remember sitting for those hours with Stephen going, what are we going to call her? We've decided our name. And we were still oblivious to what was going to be our life in the next few hours. And the doctor, they said, right, we're going to get a doctor to come in because something just isn't quite right here. Mm-hmm. And I was worried and stuff. And I could see Stephen's face like, oh. And the doctor came in and it was a really, really busy, busy day in the ward. I remember it. And he just came in and he was like, so, so why is she here? And the midwife was like, we just movements, um, but baby started moving. He was like, right, so baby's moving, then everything's fine. You can hear it's hiccups, that's okay. He looked at the trace, um, had a conversation with the midwife, signed the trace and said, it's hiccups, nothing to worry about, that's you good to go. Mm-hmm. And now looking back, I'm like, n- at the time I was just thinking, okay, whew, everything's okay, mm-hmm. we're good. Did you trust the doctors and you? Of course. So... We, we left, we were discharged, and the midwife had said, like, see if anything isn't right over the next few hours or, or days or whatever, just let us know. So we went up the road and just carried on about our day as normal, and, or our night as normal. And then later on during the night, I had felt the early stages of labour, so like the contractions, I thought, oh, I think this is us. Yeah. Except it wasn't like the way the classes had always told us about there was no break in between it it was just continuous pain and it went on and I just did that thing where they tell you in the hospital eh, no sorry in the classes you don't phone the hospital try and stay in the house as long as you possibly can it's it's better for you if you're in the house so I thought right I can handle this pain maybe I'm just being a bit of a wuss here yeah came on like so I went in for my bath took the paracetamol phoned the triage um, and said, look, I think that's in labour, right, that's good, leave it another couple of hours and phone us back. But I remember at the time I said, look, this is this is pain, it's not, there's no break in between it. Right, okay. And also there was, um, like, the discharge when I'd went to the bathroom and stuff like that, that I wasn't expecting, so that's why I'd been like, right, we phoned them, and they said, it'll just be the show, going for another bath. <sighs> I lasted about an hour and I was doubled over thinking I can't breathe here and my, my spine felt like it was being crushed so I phoned again and it was just luckily it was a midwife that seen us that we'd been in the night before and she, she didn't even need to hear, she just heard my name and said come right back in. Oh, so we piled all our suitcase in the car and thought right this is it, come mm-hmm. on we can do this mm-hmm. and then we got to the triage again, the girl met us, took us straight into the room and was like the pain was just incredible and sat in the bed, they'd done the Doppler scan, which they'd done thousands of, thousands of times, probably not, like, numerous times before. So I was like, right, come on, we can do this. We'll just say, we'll hear a wee heartbeat, I'll be, I'll be in labour soon. And then it was a case of moving the Doppler in silence. Mm. And then another wee kind of moving it about nothing. Mm. And she went, look, I'm just going to go and get the doctor. I think the baby's moving in a, um, maybe in a different position. So I'm thinking, right, it's all right, we're fine. Yeah. And then the next thing the room just filled with doctors. And it was the most strangest experience because we are still sitting in oblivious going, Huh? Eh? Yeah, what's going on? What's going on here? Like and there was these midwives that came in and they lined up against the back wall. Was, do you know what I'm thinking in my head? There's probably about five of them and two senior doctors and a couple other people. And I'm really, like, why is all these people in the room? And then she done the doppler again, she just turned around and went really matter of fact, which of course they have to do, and just went, I'm really sorry, but your baby's died. Oh there is no heartbeat. And we were like, what? And even th- it was a shock of 
no, 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 this can't be, I guess that's your first reaction, it's like, no, 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 no. no how can that be, we're here, the baby, no, we're... no, 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 she's here, like, yeah. we, we were here a few hours ago, no, 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 I heard her heartbeat, yeah. she, no, she's here, yeah, and they just had to obviously matter-of-factly say to me, no, like, she's, 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 she's dead, she's died, and, oh my days, and I remember just going, Oh my god, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I just turned out to Stephen and I was like apologising because instantly I thought, this is something I've done. I have done this. Oh. I know. And it's just like one of those ones where you're just like, I, I've, I've done something here. I, like, it was an instant feeling of, oh, what have you done? You couldn't keep your daughter safe. Like, that's your mind. That's your, like, I want to get into your mind there and just. Give it a shake uh-huh. you know, and say like it's not your fault. It's uh-huh. not like your fault. But in that moment, uh-huh. that's a natural response. That's the way we're wired, just to blame uh-huh. ourselves. It and had it's... to be my fault. I was the one she lived in my tummy. It had to be my fault. Um, sorry. No, no <laughs> it's well. Thank you for being so open. Um, and I tried to get some tissues. I was meant to get tissues before we sat down. <laughs> I try not to um, be uh, sad when I'm talking and I hope I get to the stage one day where I can just speak. Well, um, you don't have to though, that's the thing. You don't have to get to the stage where you, you know, that's just, just be, just let it flow and uh-huh. just be, just be real with it. I mean, you can't, you're not invincible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just one of those ones and I remember just going, I'm so, so sorry, like, Oh my god, like how will I ever how can I live first of all without my baby? Mm-hmm. I can't go on, this is our lives are over. And I remember just turning and seeing Stephen, he was just heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden this life we had was just boom, gone, it's gone. Mm-hmm. There you go, this is what you deserve in a way as well. I started thinking I must be a horrible person. Oh. It's just weird, and I don't mean it like a self-pity way, it's just I couldn't help the, the horrible, horrible thoughts that came in. You would think, though, why me? What have I done? Oh, totally. That's a natural thought. It doesn't mean it's right that you're thinking like that, but that is like that devil on the shoulder again, isn't it? Completely. You, this is your fault. Uh-huh. This, this happened, you know, it's something you've done and all those... That doesn't surprise me at uh-huh. all, even though it's insane when you think about it. Like, nobody deserves... To do that. Completely. To and you ju- I just kept thinking, what have I done? Have I, did I move wrong way? Like, I've n- I never ate my prawns. But it's oh. other things like, you don't eat patty. And it was oh. Christmas time and I never even had anything. Oh, and no. It was so funny. And I'm sitting going, what have I done? Oh my God. And I just kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Stephen was like instantly saying, it's not your fault. Stop apologising, yeah. cuddling me. The midwives were just so lovely. And they were like, again, it's not your fault. And I remember... Me sitting going, right, so what now? I imagine now you'd, I, I get a, a section and mm-hmm. that's us. But no, they were just like, right, so we need to take you out of the labour ward and you'll deliver. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Are you guys crazy? Are you? What? No. Yeah. You cannot expect me to now go ahead and have this big labour and birth that we had imagined to be a beautiful thing to now be like I know what's coming here like I just wanted them to put me to sleep and never wake me up again and that is kind of the reaction that I think most people would feel like why should I put me to sleep and do you deal with it now you're the professional you're the health people uh-huh. I can't 
I, I can't do it. So how on earth did you find the strength to... I, I, I don't know, because physically at that time, and I always just think, I don't even care about the pain now, thinking back, that wasn't... The end of the day, my baby, my baby girl was gone. Yeah. But the pain, I remember, was excruciating, because and it turned out the way that she had uh, passed away had been stuck in my spine. It was mm. AOP or something, I think they called it. So that's where the crushing pain was coming from. Right. And she couldn't help herself because she couldn't move out of that position. So I got taken out of the the suite, still thinking, I think I just went into shock as if, what? what? Mm. Um, Stephen had the unfortunate job of having to tell her families. Oh my goodness. Um, the, the midwife, do you know, see now, I love those midwives. Like, I just think back as you are my angels. You are Francesca's angels. Mm -hmm. And I think at that time, I must have been horrible to them when they came in that room. I remember one of them saying, and what's your baby's name? And I'm like, are you, what does that matter? Mm. What are you talking about? What are you asking me her name for? Like, she's, she's, she died. She's not here. And I was just thinking, I don't want to do any of the fluffy baby stuff that I was supposed to have. This isn't right. Mm. She became really angry as if no. <laughs> and then they just you know what the lasses are amazing I don't know how we're even midwives do it mm -hmm. and as the day went on they gave me the strength as long with Stephen and long with our family yeah. that came up the, the way they, they just are so lovely and unfortunately for me everything that could have went wrong in the labour it went wrong mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I laugh now because you can only laugh really in the epidural they had to give me to help the pain they, they unfortunately they missed the space nine times. Uh, it took three hours for them to put the epidural in. Oh my Never heard the likes of it in my life, obviously. And then you think, well, of course that would happen to me. Yeah, <laughs> it does, doesn't it? And then that's uh -huh. the little devil on your shoulder again. You uh -huh. know? And the pain excruciating for them missing the space with the epidural added to everything else I was feeling. And I remember that full time leaning forward to get the epidural in. Hours and hours going by, they kept missing it and me looking at my bump thinking, you're not here anymore. Um, and then through the labour, it just continued on. It went on for another, uh, I think it was like 24 hours or something. And then within that time, I just became quite ill. Yeah. Uh, fever, heart rate issues. Um, and she just couldn't help her herself. So I had to get um, assisted as well with forceps and things. And I think at that point, I just gave up. Yeah. And I remember just at that very last minute, um, but they were just, I remember, because the room had again filled with all these doctors, that things had got quite quite scary at one point. And the room just filled with doctors, and it was like, right, you, you need to, we need to do this, we need to do this right now. And I had your members just screaming, saying, no, please don't bring her here, she's she's not here anymore, don't do it. Yeah. And I think that's when I allowed the pain in. Because yeah. I thought, if I just ignore the fact that this has been, not ignore it, but if I just become numb to the fact that when I deliver my baby she's she's not here anymore then I'll get through this mm -hmm. but I knew as soon as I delivered her my body would be letting her go mm. as well so when she was um, I, when she was finally delivered the room just felt silent yeah. there was no scream and the doctors and the midwives felt her down to give us our respectful space mm. And that was our time to bond with our daughter. But I remember them saying, you'll have time to spend with her when she's here. And again, I'm like, no. like Yeah, it'd be scary, it'd be scary I, to think of. like I can't 
I don't. I didn't. I was terrified of meeting her. Yeah. And she wouldn't have been how I was expecting. Yeah. Um. But when she was here, like they said, we're going to bring in a wee cold call and you can have it and you can have it as long as you want. I'm like, I don't even know if I can see her. Mm. I don't know if I could allow the pain. Um. But you know what? I like. I've always looked back. Like Stephen is amazing. Um. As soon as she was born, he he cut the wee cord and all that and. He just grabbed her and cuddled her. Oh God, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Sorry. I'm sure <laughs> apologise. Um, but he just was just the best daddy ever. When it was him that gave me the strength to pass her over, and when I held her, I thought, oh, "Hello." <laughs> yeah. Um. So I kind of took. Um, their guidance on it and I, I, I just I was quite ill as well I didn't really have a lot of um, oh. <laughs> could have got the more expensive tissues just so <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah she was put in our, our wee uh, cold crib beside us and the family were allowed to come in and meet her right, the yeah. way they should have because yeah. she was our family she was yeah. our daughter and our grandparents and our aunties and our uncles and our cousins and love her very very much even though she's no longer with us yeah. and so it was just um, they came up and they met her and we had a wee blessing and stuff like that in the hospital That's and nice. oh, the midwives were so lovely so the doctors they even put on like beautiful like sandwiches and stuff like that yeah. just to like make it a wee celebration for her oh, well you I mean uh-huh. the thing is in your head you're saying I can't do this I don't want to see her I don't but you have to like she is you know she's she's here uh-huh. she's still you know she was uh, here yeah and oh she was just spitting at me just even oh really? geez oh she was just did you be grumpy looking thing <laughs> <laughs> and we get laughing it's like she's like raging <laughs> she's just like so angry as if oh what's going on here um Oh no, she was a spitting image of her daddy, so she was, and um, oh, it was lovely to meet her and we laughed because we were like, look at the size of your feet. Yeah. She has the biggest hands and beautiful long, long, long fingers and these big feet, and I'm I'm obviously really tall myself, um, but I've got quite small feet for my and so does Stephen, <laughs> but with things we laughed about and the dark humour. Yeah, but the, you needed to have those moments. Uh-huh. You needed to. We did, and it was just nice and... To have that, that wee time with our family, but we were in the safety of our bereavement suite, thinking, I don't want to leave here. Oh, yeah. What are we going to do? We're supposed to be going home with our family, and then all of a sudden we were getting hit with, so would you like a post-mortem? Uh, have you got the funeral arrangements? We have to get the undertaker to come in quite quickly, and I'm like, what? what? Yeah. No, 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 what's going on? And I think, again, it's that shock that I'm going back to, because yeah. people say, how did you get through that? Where did you get the strength? I have no idea. We just, we're we're amazing, resilient beings at the root of it, but it's, yeah. And imagine anybody that's been through any type of Mm -hmm. shock or trauma in their life, it doesn't necessarily have to be what I've been through, but I just think, because you guys are amazing, how did you get through that? Yeah. But I, you just do it, and then we're, we're very, very lucky, our family were just so amazing, and the next few couple next week or so is about a blur with the funeral and just try to pick your life back up again and going home to the house with all her nursery things in it and I had a lovely baby shower. Oh, 
Um, so all our wee things were all sitting in our room waiting on her and I was just like, God, she was just sitting waiting on this wee baby girl that's never going to come home to see you. Mm. What do we do? Yeah. It was a horrible experience yes. and then you're trying not to... Our family was angry because they were like, somebody's to blame for this. You, 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 it's like you need someone to blame because uh-huh. you've got that anger because it's, you know, of course you're going to feel angry. You're going of to course. feel, well, that's the grief, is a cycle, isn't there? Uh-huh. And you feel all those different things. Um, but yeah, of course, and they wanted to blame and of course I was angry as well. And But at the same time, I just kept thinking, it's my fault. I've done this. It's still me. I have done, I've ruined everybody's lives and I've taken the opportunity for my daughter to have a life. I've done something here. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was still angry that I was in, supposedly, when you're in the hospital, you're in the best place possible and that they couldn't help me. Yeah. But I just did, I was like, no, I will not let the anger seep into me and take away all the goodness that she brought us for that mm. 41 weeks we knew her. What did she teach you? Oh, so much. Jeez, I just did not no love like that before I didn't it it developed a strength in us that me and Stephen never ever knew we could have we just we created this wee lovely beautiful wee miracle together and it taught us you know jeez life is going through so much shit aren't you mm. and I see the years I've spent worrying over stupid things mm-hmm. at the time I was like obviously oh my god it's the end of the world something so bloody trivial when I look back at it I used to lose sleep over just obviously being quite an anxious person anyway and now I'm like get your life in perspective here <laughs> yeah jeez man like there's it's a full wide world through there with people going through similar or worse than us mm-hmm. I want to learn so much more about how human beings cope Mm-hmm. She taught us kindness, she taught me empathy of other people to be more understanding, less judgmental. Yeah. Just so much. Mm-hmm. And I just, oh, just, I'll always love her and just, it's terrified me the fact that she'd ever be forgot about. That'll never happen. I hope not. No. And that's where the kind of fire in me came to think, I'm going to create a wee legacy for you. Yeah, yeah, and she and you, you've done that already, and you'll continue to do that. Oh, you know, I hope you, so. You will. But it's just, and I think for people that have gone through it, or people that know of people that have gone through it, or if it's a different type of grief or trauma, you know, these things we can't we can't explain but one thing we do know is life isn't meant to be easy clearly not i know there is suffering on this earth as we know it um and it's how we react to it yes we have a choice about how we react to it you know in my first book i had a, a big chapter about acceptance and to get the content for that i had to interview hundreds of people that had been through trauma to to see how they got to a place of acceptance mm-hmm. because there's so many of us that are still asleep we're not we're masking our stuff and we're not dealing with trauma and we're we're going to surface level stuff. So we're drinking, we're taking drugs, we're getting hooked on anything, yes. you know, work, any distraction, anything, whether it's something, and, and there's no shame in that. There's mm-hmm. no shame in no, that. Not at all. It's a completely normal response. Um, and we still do it for, to deal with stress, not uh-huh. trauma. You know, I know 
if I've had a stressful day, I love a nice glass of wine. Oh, That's, definitely. We're so fun <laughs> of distracting ourselves. There's no shame in that. But it's when it's of the detriment of your mental health. Mm-hmm. Like, you're such a positive. And the first time I met you when I was speaking at the event, it was just an array. And I'm thinking, she's so, she's so positive. Oh, and such so, so much energy. Like, how is she not, like, bitter and you know grumpy and uh you know and i'm not saying we, we can all have we'll days, have days grumpy, I'm not saying, but it's it's amazing to see that you are and when i interviewed a girl jenny um years ago about when she lost her, her baby um uh, boy it was um the mantra that she had was sink or swim i can sink or swim uh-huh. it's as simple as that it would be easier to sink but i want to keep swimming yeah how do you do that though you no. know how if how have you started to heal yourself from that? Just exactly like you're saying, you just need to make that choice. And mm. I, I have, now I've, I've got that bitter bit in me where I'm thinking, no, you need to get back, you need to get back down to where you came from here. I refuse, and me, Stephen, and my mum, and everybody that just, that knew is my gran, oh, my gran's my, one of my best pals, she's 88, and I just adore her, and she's a wee toughie, and so she is, and from the older generation um, and she just they keep me strong yeah they just let me know that uh, what you're doing here you come on she'll get Francesca will be there guiding you you'll you'll find the strength from her I love that and I love that as well and my family are quite spiritual I guess uh-huh. um, and so was I until that minute where I thought no do you know what stop telling me Everything happens for a reason. Oh, and it's fate, and it's karma, and bloody black. So I'm like, no, it doesn't anymore. This- yeah, that when, when when it actually is happening to yes. you, you're like, it's easy to say, oh, it's for a reason. But then when you're like, bam, ah, uh-huh. you're a bit like, but what's the reason? Yeah, what have I done what? Why? Like, I know, you know. And then we would start. And Stephen's so skeptical, right? But I'm. I've always been dead spiritual. And then all of a sudden, we start finding these signs. Like genuinely, we would go to mm-hmm. Tesco one day and having like, a really awful day. And we'd go to like pay for something, and there was, I remember the day there was like an ATM card in the self service checkout thing, and Stephen pulled it out, and it was the name on it was Francesca. Oh my goodness! And like that's not a common name where we are. Yeah. So things like that, and I felt that the universe was taking the piss. I'm like, come on, <laughs> right? If you have got a message, can somebody just come down and tell me what it is right now? Because yeah. we need to know. It was just sign after sign after sign, and it still happens now, and we're just. I think having each other has been such a great, amazing strength to me, but we grieve very, very differently. Mm-hmm. We're very different types of people. Yeah. It seems to work for us, mm-hmm. um, but that's how you get through it. You just... It is. And it's faith or fear as well, because if, you, if you're if you a spiritual person, you believe we have a soul or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, an essence, uh, I don't know if you've got your own name for your bit, uh-huh. but then you can get to her in your place uh-huh. you know because you uh, for me you know I've had moments in churches where I've been knocked down by oh my goodness cry, just crying you know the, the, the song Faithless this is my church this uh-huh. is yeah, I love that song. <laughs> um, and I've had moments and I've had moments at funerals where it's felt like the people singing are angels mm-hmm. but I've had moments the most part I met someone who goes to church who said her most powerful moments are on the beach. That's where she feels closest to her soul and God, whatever word you want to use mm-hmm. in your spiritual journey. It's it's like, wow. Just So I feel like when there's been a loss or I'm hurting and I have those moments 
under the stars or I have moments on a beach, still moments, mm -hmm. you kind of just have this feeling that you can't explain from your head. Yeah. That's, that sort of stuff doesn't come. It's a faith that something, it's a faith that so, something mm -hmm. that is all going to be okay, even though it wasn't at that time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I totally get that. And that was, that's always been my kind of belief. Mm. And I'm, that was one of the things that I struggle with and I did struggle with the BAM effect of boom, there you go, there's your life gone. There you go, how you go deal with that? Like I'm obviously in my mid thirties, try to pick myself back up again. And that spiritual side of me, I was angry because I thought I didn't believe that anymore. Mm. It was gone. I had no faith in anything. Yeah. I was angry, angry at the world. And the grief, the only way to see now Every day I struggle with something that I call the brain fog. It's grief that controls me now. I have lost all control over myself, over my emotions, over my thinking. I'll plan a day or Friday, we'll do this, we'll do this on Friday, see Friday when I wake up, I can barely think of how to tie my shoes. It's like this brain fog. Mm -hmm. It's just always there and it's just a constant exhausting struggle trying to get through it. Never mind find my faith. But the only way I'm finding my faith back is just experiencing life after the loss. Right, okay. Each day just teaches me something different. Yeah. I never, ever, ever in a million years thought we'd be sitting here and I'd be lucky enough to say to you, uh, I've left Stephen and watching Leo this morning, watching Gummy Bears. Yeah. We've got Francesca's wee brother Leo. I yeah. never, ever, ever thought we would ever be lucky enough to come home We a beautiful baby in our arms mm -hmm. and not have to have that the only memory we ever have of one of our children is leaving them in a cold hospital ward yeah. and going home ourselves with an empty car seat in the back of the car Leo has taught us so so much the same as his sister has mm -hmm. and that's my journey mm -hmm. of grief of parenthood, of motherhood of so much other stuff I just feel like my two wee children are just wee miracles in totally different aspects mm -hmm. but I love as well hearing other people's journeys and stories because everybody's different mm -hmm. and everybody's got a story everybody's got a story and that's something else that my two vegans have taught me everybody's got a story mm -hmm. never sell yourself short see what you've been through in your life you're going to help so many, so many people you can and that's the thing because it's so easy to wallow <laughs> and, and, and shut ourselves away in the dark. Totally. It's so easy. But the world needs, you know, they need the light. They need, they need, we need each other to build ourselves back up again, to inspire each other, to bring a bit more light out of the, the stuff, the heavy stuff uh -huh. that we go through. We need to take some of the weight off our shoulders and pat, spread the load. Aye. Um, we have to. And we were shocked at the, the lack of support are people understanding how to give us the support and I mean professional wise when this happened to us yeah. there was nothing so yeah. I googled 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 everything still worth baby loss I needed to find somebody that had been through this because I needed to know how they survived this pain Yeah, I needed to know that because mm -hmm. I thought what is, what is going on here I don't know how to get through a day I just didn't want to leave the house I, my life was just shrouded in fear mm -hmm. every single thing outside my front door and inside it was a constant reminder of 
you think you bring your baby home. Yeah. You're not a mummy. You, yeah. you failed. You couldn't do what everybody else in the entire world seemed to have done. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they haven't, but that's how you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just that, like, just having to find your own pathway. What did you find then? What was your support? I just started writing. I went on to Google and I found a couple of, um, like, people that had maybe wrote a book mm-hmm. or had, had created an Instagram account mm-hmm. to just talk about their babies. And it was the first time I'd ever went online and seen pictures of these beautiful wee babies mm-hmm. that had that were stillborn, like Francesca. Yeah. And I hate using that word stillborn because yeah. the reason for it is I hate... Um, accounting to her like that's all she was she was just a stillbirth or a stillborn yeah. but the reality was she was still born yeah. and I felt like I had these pictures of my baby that I would have loved to I wanted people to see that she just looked like her daddy just yeah. spin image of him yeah. but I felt like oh I shouldn't really do that but why not and then I seen these people doing it and I thought oh, that's okay oh my god there's somebody else like me oh I don't feel crazy oh wait a minute they've just had this really mental thought I've had that mental thought as well. We're okay. Stephen, we're all right. People have been through this. They're fine. And then it just was went from there. And a lot of the people that had amazing, amazing people on Instagram, oh, they've helped me so much, are maybe like a wee bit further away from me. So they're like in England or Ireland or overseas America or whatever. And I couldn't really find anybody in Scotland. And I just, what, oh, see what I'd have to find somebody in Scotland that was near me to think that they've went through this so I thought I'm going to do this I'm just going to start writing just start writing just tell people my thoughts and then see who finds you yeah and I thought see one person just reads my ramblings and thinks to their partner it's okay we're all right somebody else is going through this we can do this we've got it and from there my wee my wee ramblings reached out to people who and oh my god honestly daily send me the most beautiful messages of their stories, of how they they feel that maybe some of my words have helped them, mm-hmm. and it just continues every day. And I think, I wonder if that was, I wonder if that's a wee purpose for me, because mm-hmm. I lost all my purpose. And I thought, get me purpose here. Yeah, yeah. I'll just keep writing and reaching out to people and Amazing. see where life goes. And for the first time in my life, in my mid thirties, I've had to relinquish control to not have a life's plan because. There's no point. Yeah. I don't yeah. know who I am anymore. I'm trying to find my new normal and learning from so many other people. That's amazing. It's amazing. And I wonder how many people have gone through stuff and they've got so much to give, but they've not had the confidence to do it. And they've let that little imposter syndrome, little devil on the shoulder, however you want to visualise it, they've, they've let that hold them back. Uh-huh. They must have. Because we need so much more of this. It's amazing. And you will inspire people to to do that. You know, you will. This will be inspiring people right now. And some of the stories we'll never know about, and hopefully some will, but it's just amazing. Because we we need, I mean, experience. It's easy for people to judge if they've not been in the experience. Uh I don't know if you've had to deal with any haters or people say you shouldn't be posting that or... Or if you've heard of people going through that? Do you know what? Luckily, I haven't had any trolls, as they call them, or haters or negative comments, right? Thankfully, I'm sure it'll come one day. The more, And then sadly, the more followers you will continue to get, and you will continue to get them because you're so authentic and, and inspirational, the more you may 
you know, it's just a stat. And I've experienced that myself, but I can imagine. And it's, I, I just, do you know what? See, since you, you post that thing, it's difficult to be so publicly vulnerable, especially being Scottish and British and thinking, oh, we're not supposed to talk about our feelings. This isn't how it is, and very American, is it? Aye, kind of. <laughs> and then um, America. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a wee bit like you. I just like I'm just see when you meet me. I'm just me. Yeah, and that's beautiful to see. I mean, it's a, it's a gift. I think I don't know where that comes from. I often question it because I was always called, you know, a weirdo at school. Like, why are you always so nice and you're too honest or you're too pushover or you're too like oh not everyone needs to see that Joe and I'm like and then I talk about you know my friend Colin in the first book how he wrote this song like you just don't care at all you uh-huh. know you're just yourself and I was like I'm not always that way but most I kind of am all right I'm, I'm pretty much always myself but it's a gift uh-huh. <laughs> it, it, like where do you think that comes from in you do you think it's just like genetic do you think it's Probably, I think ever since I was wee, like my gran and my mum and all that, I've been like, you're a nightmare, so you are, you just say what you think, and you, like a big tornado, you don't realise that probably the path of destruction you've left behind you, because you'd never, I, don't, I never come to a bad place, but I just go, da, 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 da. but I can't see you as being like negative seeing what you think though, like, but then sometimes I say things and I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. I think that's that, like, I, I do you know, seeing people say to me, like, see, see, to be honest, like, see them at uh, things that people say to you that are so bloody hurtful mm. because they don't know what to say so they say the wrong things and you're sitting going oh that, that was a that was a knife to the heart there mm. don't say that again like jeez mm. oh and then I think back and think I've put my foot in it probably hundreds of times over my lifetime but because I wasn't understanding that person's pain I've not realised it yeah and that's taught me a lot of see when people say really stupid things uh-huh. to a grieving mum or dad I'm trying to think, right, did you come from a nasty place or did you come from a place of meaning well? Yeah, you just don't like it. Was there something that, for people listening, is there something, some things you shouldn't say? Oh, jeez. I I think, um, like, the, um, oh, I've done happens for a reason, or, um, or now we've got Leo, at least you've got Leo, or, oh, you need to look on the bright side, you've got Leo now, or probably the worst one I had, um, was so oh that was a shame what happened so what deformity did she have and I was like what D- deformity actually who even uses that word in the first place but no she never had a deformity she was perfect thanks yeah all right okay and and you look confused as if she was all right and I'm like no she was fine yeah. or what was wrong with her or was there something wrong with you like what happened and then you go instantly go back to that of oh that was my fault again it's, it's crazy that words can be triggers. And, and what might be a trigger to you isn't to someone else. Totally. Like, we all see things from our own mindset, our experiences, our, our limits and beliefs we've picked up from family and society and culture and all that jazz. So it's, it's sometimes really hard, and that's probably why a lot of people can back off and they don't want to come and visit because they have no idea what to say or they don't know. Yeah. You know, the, the, the girl, Jen, that I was speaking to, she said people would cross the street. And I, yeah. and I did a campaign and it was like, don't be a person who crosses the street. It's easy for me to say that. You know, uh, we can all cross the street if we're confused. Yeah. We don't know what to say. Of course. It's it's hard. And it's hard to deal with the grief. One of the, the things that we I still struggle with probably, the now, is I'm very lucky. I've got some amazing family and friends that have been there from, for us from day one. 
and people that we wouldn't even have ever expected have just been so, so supportive and so understanding and I'm very lucky through my blog I've created this beautiful community mm-hmm. of people that I can turn to and they turn to me and I've made some friends and wow. I never thought I'd ever say, oh, you make pals on social media, right? Because I just always thought, oh, no, that's a strange place to make friends. But I've got real friends that yeah. I've made through this blog. And it's a way to find each other, though. It's a way to really connect. Right. It's, it's a positive... There's a lot of terrifying stuff and there's a lot of work we need to do for our teenagers when, when we get to that. Um, and, and the pressure for mm-hmm. them to look perfect, to have the wings eyeliner to have you know the perfect grades uh-huh. all this stuff it's there's gonna have to be a lot of changes but there's so many amazing yeah sides to it you know about those support systems there is there definitely isn't for, for us it just that means so much to me to have that support system there because a lot of the one of the massive struggles we had was after the funeral um the house the house is full Full, 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 constantly. Mm-hmm. After a few people thought, we'll give you a wee bit of space. Yeah. And then some people that we thought would be there for us continuously, silently dwindled away. Yeah. Without really ever noticing. Yeah. Until the day that I thought, I haven't seen you, I've not heard from you. Mm-hmm. I'm still me. Yeah. And then I would hear people saying, but they don't know what to say to you, but they don't know how to act around you. And I'm like, but I'm still me. Mm-hmm. I haven't changed. Mm-hmm. Well, I have changed. I'm like... I'm, my baby died but I'm still mean I still need you in fact I need you more than ever now mm-hmm. and that's probably the most hurtful thing I've had mm-hmm. but it's not people. but not the thing is when we realise that nothing is personal still hurts still hurts but it's like it's their issue like it's their issues they just do not know what to do but uh-huh. it's still it's almost like you just try can you just try just like, try just I know try. you're scared but you could even just turn up and say, I have no idea what to say. Yeah. I don't know what you need. Because a lot of the time, what you needed was just people there and not... And they were just so sad as well because it was just a really heartbreaking thing that happened and yeah. understanding that they'd lost a part of their family as well. Yeah. But there's only so much leeway sometimes you can give before you're like, hello, remember me? Yeah, that's that's but, really hard and it was sad and I was me and Stephen as well were ready to talk about our baby to anybody that would listen but the world wasn't ready to listen to you talk about your baby that had died just too much for some people or... and you hear this taboo and stigma and I'm like no that'll not be like that for us we'll be able to talk or we'll be able to talk about her and then before you know it sometimes me and Stephen would talk about her and then people would be like looking at the ground as if oh, I don't really know what to say here mm. which I understand Maybe they've just never been confronted with this kind of situation before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, right, you want to talk about it? Talk about it with us. Yeah, we need to. Going to just talk to us, but maybe it was just too hard for them. I know, I know. But the, the more awareness that, and the more we do talk about it, it normalises it so much. Yeah. You know, it's like when I started campaigning about mental health five, six years ago. I've seen a massive change, like massive. And what really annoys me is when people say, oh, it's fashionable now to talk. I'm like, it's not fashion. It's just progress. Like we have, so many of us have worked so hard to get to this place now. It's please don't insult by calling it a fashion trend. Yes. Oh, it's cool, mental health. It's not a trend. It's like 
this is essential. Like we all have physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Now, uh -huh. spiritual gets a lot more airtime in America, um, but they're all equally important. Mm -hmm. The four of them are all equally important. And what's happened with with trauma? What it is? It impacts all four of them, mm -hmm. and we need to work at them all. We need to talk about all of them. That's yeah. so true. See, everything you're saying, and that's how I, when I listen to your podcast, I'm like, yes, yes, I, I relate, I relate. And no matter like, who I'm listening to on your podcast, whether it's your story or someone else, or I'm like, yes, yes, oh, yes, I totally understand that because I'm relating to you. Yeah. And see, when I relate to somebody, I'm like, oh, yes. And I feel a wee bit of a strength in me thinking, yeah. oh, right, that, well, that's good. That's not just me that feels like that. Yeah. And I'm, do you know what? I'll never ever say, you've got to talk about your feelings, you've got to write about your feelings, you've got to go the same way I did. For, like, no, not at all. See, if you'd never ever want to talk about your story, mm -hmm. that's totally fine as well. Mm -hmm. Don't even ever, don't compare yourself to anybody, mm -hmm. no matter where you are in life. And that's a difficult thing nowadays with social media and things. Yeah. Um, but you just need to do you, just do you. Yeah, it's hard because people say that to me. It's like not everyone wants to share like you do, and I get that. But even if you can share with someone, or, or as long as you find somebody you can talk to, talk to, and don't feel alone or isolated or, or lonely, because that is a scary, scary place to be. Yeah, you don't need to share it with the world. Yeah, just know it's okay. Yeah, if you do want to talk about it. Yeah, because I think we are all like we're all tested. And it's, I remember when people would say to me about dad when he was really ill, how's your dad, how's your dad? And my reaction was, oh, I just don't want to talk about it uh -huh. again. I just, can we just talk about something else? Because sometimes you just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Just like, can we just leave it just now? You know, I don't want to, I just want distracted. Sometimes we do need distraction. Mm -hmm. um, but then I always need, I, that's why the writing was good. Because I could process how I was feeling uh -huh. and, and and sort of, yeah, put it in words. And then that was me kind of dealing with it. And then, if, you know, so, and then because I shared, people would see if they wanted to, what was going on. And then they could just say, oh, this, this, that's interesting. Like, I see he's getting better or I see uh -huh. that you've, you used to take it personally and now you're, you're working through that and you've learned that it wasn't about you and it was... And yeah. Do you know when people say to you, oh, you're so brave, you're so strong, you're so courageous, you're like, no, no, I'm not. But mm -hmm. even when you're telling me your story, when I read your book or when I read your blogs or your Instagram, I just think, God, you're dead brave, or you're dead strong. <laughs> <laughs> and you're probably like, no, but it's amazing hearing other people's stories. Like, I know, and we, we carry these labels, right? Like, I'm the strong one, I hear it all the time, but I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong. And I'm like, being strong is overrated sometimes. Like, we need to let go of imagine like if you're like always told you're the strong one you've got this heavy kind of expectation on your shoulders that i have to be the strong one so our ego identifies with that label and we're mm -hmm. like i can't let go i'm the strong one that's who i am i'm yes. the strong one and you go actually no you're strong but you're also weak you'll have times where you're really weak and you need someone else to help pick it up the slack or you just need to fill up that cup or whatever and you said something on your podcast was it hurt hurting people hurt other people yeah exactly and I remember like when I said to Stephen at the beginning I was like we need to be careful we are anger or bitterness or grief all that grief cycle mm -hmm. that we we catch that before yeah. we become nasty or yeah. angry or we say something and 
because see when people are grieving or they're going through anything, mm-hmm. you can take it out in the ones closest to them. I know, I know, and, and it, you really can, you really can, and we it's sort of surface like because when you're with someone all the time as well, mm-hmm. you kind of take them for granted in ways, you know. And they're the people that actually, oh my goodness, like, they do so much for us. But it's it's very very easy, and that's why there's a lot of family politics, and it gets hard at Christmas because oh. like maybe someone's in law, right? someone's <laughs> mum or granny or whatever said things to them, and you're like, oh come on, oh. like that hurt. It's hard. You yeah. probably need it in families and like strong knit communities even more because yeah. we feel like we can say certain things, but it doesn't mean it's always right. Uh-huh. It? It's not at all, and. I'm, I'm excited for where the world's going now to see the next blog pop up, to see the next Instagram post pop up, the next podcast to pop up, to hear other people's points of view, mm. to hear other people's stories. I'm excited for it because we're living in a world where it's okay to do that now. It's. I mean, some people I was interviewing with the burnout coach, uh, Hader, uh, and, uh, or Hader, my memory's so bad. I think <laughs> you said Hader. Hyde, no, Hader. Because I was thinking of Heidi. Heidi. <laughs> uh, sorry, Heidi. Don't hate me. Um, great guy. You're awesome. Uh, and he was talking all about that, you know. Um, it was just really interesting. There was something he said that really hit a nerve with me. Um, but it's just it's keeping that authentic voice. Uh-huh. Keeping that faith over fear, you know. The authentic voice, that's yeah, it. Yeah. And see, do you know when I write on my blog, probably people are like, I wish you'd talk about Because I write like, Glaswegian slang sometimes and... <laughs> Like, I get some mates that I get in Canada, oh, she's hysterical, and she's like, really, really sorry, but what does um, he, the ball mean, or something silly, like something Glaswegian, and the way she's wrote it, and I'm like, oh, well, it translated, it means this, and I forget that not everybody speaks the way I do, <laughs> but I like to write that way as well, because that's just me. Yeah, you should write that way. I know, but sometimes as well, I, I tend my personal style when I'm really, really having an awful, awful day, or a vulnerable day, or I'm just like, no, I you just wake up, you have to stop reading for three days on end. I try to avoid social media or writing at that point because I don't want to go on in a vulnerable state of mind and be a trigger for somebody else that's maybe came on to social media for a wee bit of light-heartedness or something. Yeah, that's hard, isn't it? It is, and I feel a responsibility for for Francesca's legacy to mm-hmm. be um, responsible for people viewing my content, if that's the right word to yeah. say. I want them to relate, but I also want them to know that it's not going to, hopefully, won't trigger. If they're having a really bad day, I don't really know if they want to read about math, even terrible worst day. I think we can dip in and out of stuff, Mm -hmm. given our mental state. Like, I've struggled when people have sort of followed me in the past, and I I, I hold on to these labels I'm given that I love, like, queen of positivity. I'm like, I'll take that. Yes. But then, if I see someone's unfollowed me, I'm like, what did I do? Was I, uh, like, how how did I trigger them? Was I too positive, so it was annoying? Or did I post a... Because then you don't know when they've unfollowed you either. Uh-huh. You just might think, oh, I've not heard from them in a while. And you go and check and they're like, oh, they're not following me. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what I did. Uh, and then you're like, oh, well, it could have been four months ago. What post could it have been? But I think as long as your intentions are good when yeah. you put the post out. So now I do, right, are my intentions good? Whether it's an upbeat post or an awareness post or whatever, as long as your intentions are good, then you can, you know, and, and that's what I was going to say. I blanked when I was speaking about Hyder was um, he said, you know, where he grew up, 
his uh, he could have been killed for expressing his opinion. You know where Absolutely. he was from in Iraq, and uh, uh, that that put a lot in perspective for me because I can put a post up and I know I'm not going to be killed. Well, I hope I'm not going to be killed, by, <laughs> but people can kill you with an unfollow just because uh-huh. you you do think. Oh, it's hard. It, it's hard when you make yourself vulnerable and you put yourself yeah. in the line. Because not everyone is in a place where they can listen and enjoy. Uh-huh. And I think as long as, again, you remind yourself, you don't take it personally. I I am big on fairness and intention, right? I had a, an incident recently with a TV show, not BBC, do a lot with them, they're amazing. Um, the most unprofessional service I've had in my life, right? Mm-hmm. They muck me around. So much, um, I lost out on uh, speaking gigs, so that's finances, so that was quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Christmas time coming up, you know. Uh, I, I cut a holiday short because he said they couldn't come for a certain time, then the film and crew come up, turn up two hours late, right? So I was really frustrated. Yeah. Now you could look at it as bitterness because of the way it, you know, but actually, in my heart of heart, I feel like I should file a complaint because it was just wrong the way they dealt with me. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of sometimes really checking yourself. When are you, when should you complain? When should you pick your battles? When should you let it go? And I think your gut feeling tells you if something is really, really wrong, you should address it. Yes. You know, you should. If someone, you know, and whether they do anything about it or not, at least I've, I've said, this was really wrong. This was really unprofessional. Uh-huh. I deal with media, but you were really unprofessional. You were unfair. Now they'll say, oh, it's just the way we are. Well, actually, I know plenty of other media people that aren't that way. So it's, do you know, as long as it's being clear, right, I am going to give you feedback. Mm-hmm. This is your feedback so that it doesn't happen to anyone else because that's not right. It's not, yeah. it's not right, your policies. So that's just one example. So sometimes I think we do need to, it could be seen as negative or whatever, but we do need to stand up for what is right. Oh, totally. You know, and uh-huh. people, we all need feedback. Yes. But not everyone, one thing I've learned is not everyone can, can be in a place that can take feedback. I love, oh working in like finance for years and stuff like that it was always a thing that you got you got feedback but one thing I have learned is you've got to um, be in a, a headspace to receive the feedback properly if it is coming from a good place mm-hmm. um, and also don't offer your feedback without it being asked for mm. that was one of the main things as well uh, that I always noticed where people are just so quick to tell you what you should be doing or what they think you should be doing you're like uh-huh. I'm not like you yeah that's your way of thinking that's not my way of thinking yeah we're different we're different you're allowed different opinions i know i know they are allowed it's Mm. just you can be quite open-minded you know you're allowed to do that it's not just a one-way track Mm. and that applies to everything in life it's open-mindedness curiosity and empathy combined are incredibly powerful but it's sometimes we have to go through license to get there. Because I've hurt people in the past from giving feedback, I always choose my words carefully now. I still feel hurt. We are always hurt and let uh-huh. down. But actually, it's trying to see things from their point of view as well. And then just saying, well, this is this is what was wrong. What can we do about that? You know, what, yeah. what can we do? Because there's always room for change. And growth. We all need to change and grow. As long as you're staying true to yourself, you're thinking, no, that, this is my gut feeling, I need to say something here, mm-hmm. then that's the right thing to do. I think it's hard. Picking your battles is really important. Mm-hmm. But I think the gut never lets us down. Or the, you know, you can call it the gut, you can even call it your soul. You can call that it feeling that you get. It's all connected. <laughs> our, body, our bodies are clever. You know, they don't, you know, when you really tune in and you take the time, but sometimes silence as well. 
to, to get to that place where you're like, right, I do need to be silent just to make sure I'm not acting on ego or impulse. Impulse, that's what I was, that's kind of what I was saying when I, I, I take a wee break for social media when it is like the days when I, the brain fogs too much because mm-hmm. then I think, well, I act on impulse and will I regret that later? Yes. Let me just trust my gut here and I'm going to take a wee step back. Mm-hmm. Same way if I, like when I was younger, I was a nightmare, I was like, I, would all, I, I couldn't pick my battles. So if I had something to say, I would say it, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm a wee bit older, I'll take a step back. Mm-hmm. And if I still feel that same way, where I'm like, no, I need to say something now, I'll mm-hmm. give it time and then I'll say it. Yes, give it time. Give it time. And it's a hard one to do. Um, but you live and learn, really. I think I sometimes we do need time. Like, don't react in the heat of the moment. Totally. Take the time. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean you can't be a force for change. When, when when you work out if if it if it is required. Uh-huh. We all need to change and grow. We need to, a lot of it is the ego. It holds us back. You know, it's like oh it's like that monster again, you know, it's like, oh I don't need to change. We all need to change. We all we all want to grow and develop and be better versions of ourselves, don't we? Yeah. So um, But it is the ego and I hold myself I've always done that though, my mum and all that always said to me, like, you are your own worst nightmare, like you stand in your own way. Yeah. But and recently luckily this year I've had a lot of really lovely exciting opportunities and I'm sitting going but why why and I can't see why and I hope one day I allow myself to feel proud or something for that and not just keep thinking but why me well let's start now okay you're amazing (laughs) thank you right so let's take this mantra through with you and if you can just say it every day even if you don't believe it I'm doing amazing things. Okay. I'm telling you, because it's true. Uh, I don't lie. We've established that. No. <laughs> uh, I'm doing amazing things. Get up in the morning, look in the mirror. Uh, I'm doing amazing things. I'm doing amazing things. Okay. This is brilliant. Say it five times if you need to. I'm doing amazing and then, and then you'll build it up to a happy dance. I'm doing amazing things. Like I'm doing it. This is great. I'm really dance about the music. I'm doing amazing and things. It, yeah, and if you can, if you can just, you know, maybe you're stuck in traffic. I'm doing amazing things. I put the mojo injection on them when I'm stuck in oh, traffic. Uh-huh. Yay. I get my wee mojo injection in the morning and the M8 traffic. Oh. So I do, and it gives me some positivity. That's my thing. I'm loving podcasts all that the night. I Love honestly it. see being in the car. It's such a treat having a podcast mm-hmm. or a good audio book. I am just, but you could actually have listened to my book on audio. Oh, it's on audio with my voice. I was saying earlier on, I'm str- obviously with, the, with Leo, he's not happy when his mummy picks up a book. He's like, no, I need your full attention, so I'm trying to get through it the night. So I will do it on the drive, because it's basically like a podcast that lasts, I think it's only about four and a half hours or something like that. So oh, you could do it over a few. Well, I'll do that. Because I'm going to do my next book on audio, but I'm going to do it. But I'm almost, we're all our own worst critics, as you say. So I'm like, my voice could have been better there. I rushed that bit too much. Oh, it sounds cheesy there. Oh, that's it. I sound so pathetic there. Oh, right. We'll sort that in the next book. It took hours. You sound great, though. You've got such a brilliant, like, voice. So you do. Is it the Edinburgh twang, though, isn't it? It's lovely. I, think, I don't even know how I sound. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm used to hearing it now, but... Uh, but no, it's amazing. And do you do much radio stuff or? No, um, I would love to. Um, I don't know if I've got a voice for radio. <laughs> totally have. Anyone's got a voice for radio. That imposter syndrome can just do what? Right, you're coming back to the mantra. I'm doing amazing things. Okay. So in that case, why on earth would people not want to hear? Yeah. Um, I, I love radio stuff and it's a great opportunity to put your voice out there in front of crazy amounts of people uh-huh. as well. And uh 
I just think ugh, we need more of this. We need more awareness of how, you know, we do cope with trauma and we do go on to live a happy life. Because mm-hmm. if you, you know, I interviewed, I don't know if you remember Jazz. She was on The Apprentice. She was right. one of the first out a yes. few years ago. Jazz and Paul Farr. I love The Apprentice. Oh. Uh-huh. Well, I met her at a speaking thing late recently and we hit it off and I got some time to chat with her and interview her. And, um, some of the words really stuck, but she said, you can choose not to process any of your own trauma. And she had a horrendous childhood. You can choose not to process any of your own trauma. Mm-hmm. But, and that, and that is easier. That is the easy option. Don't process on your trauma. Or you can and have a really fulfilling life. Yeah. She said, you, you don't get one or the other. You know, it's, you can have an easy life or you can have a fulfilling life. And she said, I feel free. Because she's processed it. Right. She's done the work. She's got to that place. She's shared. She's not kept it in. Uh-huh. And I think that's that's magic. That is amazing. We all deserve to feel fulfilled. Yeah. We don't deserve what throws our way at times. That's it. You're so... That's my, my massive struggle is mm-hmm. to allow myself happiness. Yeah. Because I struggled with celebrating, going out, anything, because I thought, why am I allowed to do this when Francesca never even got a first birthday? Yeah. It's a constant struggle with guilt. Mm-hmm. And it's that one day, and someone, they always say that to me, one day you'll just smile and you'll laugh and you'll really, really heartily laugh. And I was like, no, I'm never going to laugh again. But that day came and I thought, wow. Do you remember the moment? Yeah, you? I do. Uh-huh. And I remember it was me and Stephen, we were sitting and it was a few months after it and we just never thought we'd laugh again. And it was just such a lovely moment. In fact, it was actually the day that we, well, um, it was the day we found out that we were pregnant with Leo. So it was, and we went to Tinnebrook, a refa, a replace up in Argyll. And Joe, you know, we actually took a selfie, and nobody knew that we were pregnant at that point. And this, and so many people said on this one picture, that is the first time we've seen you guys look so happy. That's it. And I'm not saying. For anybody in my situation that they need to go on to be pregnant again, I don't mean it that, but for me that was just my, in my story. Yeah. I, that day just brought such lightness to us yeah. that we laughed and we just knew that she was with us, she was around yeah. us. It's amazing. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, our heads can't often explain these things, it comes from a deeper place. And I it? thought we didn't, we were be allowed to be happy, Stephen, that mm. we were allowed to do it. Amazing. And we're still going on that journey. Like even wee things I'll do with Leo and like I'm laughing, oh my god, and then I'm like, oh, she never got to do that, but you did, and it's a constant celebrating his life and not being a, a mummy to a baby here on earth and a mummy to an angel in heaven or whatever, and then it's just it's a, it's a juggling act of a strange nature. I can imagine it is because you still want to connect. Yes, with her and and also. You, you're busy and you're getting the kind of oh this is actually really hard as well as you're yeah. you know, it's like, you've got life as well life yeah. happens yeah. did you was the pregnancy were you able to have faith during that process or was there a lot of fear as well oh it was just fear it was just just fear just Until very, very, did they allow you to go in early and they had to I was just it was, it was a horrible horrible time and I hate that that is my experience of that pregnancy because as happy as it was mm-hmm. I feel so blessed to have the wee man mm-hmm. in my tummy loved him for the minute I found out about him the same as I did with his sister but I just couldn't believe he was going to get here you were just scared because that was your experience there was no safe zones there was no day that I could trust I had lost faith in the professionals 
um, and it was just horrendous. It was a nightmare of me just constantly, is he moving, is he alright, standing up, oh my God, is today going to be the day that I'm going to find out that I need to plan another funeral? It was oh. just mental torture and we were supposed, I, I had opted for a section because the, the birth part of Francesca was so traumatic as well, I just thought I cannot do that again, yeah, yeah. can't do it guys, I'm out. So I adopted for a section and they were going to bring him here at, it was like 38 weeks. Yeah, and you like, got, get, get him out. At 36 weeks, I thought, I, I, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And my consultant, I am not joking, he is a gem. He was amazing with me and Stephen. He used to scan us weekly just for peace of mind. Mm-hmm. And he was the loveliest, loveliest guy. He actually done Francesca's post-mortem investigation. That's how we first met him. And he said, if you ever find out you are pregnant again, ask for me. And he guided Aww. us through Leo's full... And he met Leo and all that after, like, oh, he, he, oh, do you know what, he even came in on his day off to do my section at the last oh minute. Oh my goodness. Um, but, sorry, they were supposed to bring him here at 38 weeks, at 36 weeks, I said, guys, I can't do this. And the doctor had said, I don't think it's healthy for you anymore to let you go any longer, I'm going to get you booked in at 37 weeks. Amazing. So they brought him here early, the wee man was fine, £8.5 he was born. Oh, perfect. Um, they arranged for us to have our own room in the hospital because a lot of people were like, but it's all right, you, you've got your baby now. And I'm like, no, but you don't understand that, the, the memories. It brings it all back. Only 11 months later. Yeah, yeah. It was in the same place. And But you know what? See the bereavement midwives that we had with Francesca, they found out we were back in and they came in and met Leo as well. Oh. It was one of the most special moments. And again, that was our wee way of bringing his sister and, he, and he celebrating his life the way she would have if her daddy had brought her up to the hospital to meet him. Aww. So there was wee bits of her around to meet her wee brother and he was our spitting image. Really? Not even, honestly, he is like her twin. It is crazy. And um, I so... That was the same with uh, Bonnie and Charlie, actually. Uh-huh. Absolute double. Like, oh, really? Everyone, when Charlie came, they were like, that's Bonnie. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and did you... Like that night for you, the first night alone with them, how did you feel? Like, can't just, I actually felt numb. I knew I loved him, he was my wee one, and I just, just stared at him and think, You're here. Mm-hmm. But this, I felt so much relief that mm-hmm. he was here mm-hmm. and love for him, mm-hmm. and intense, severe heartache for what I didn't get to have. To have at the same time and I still that's the only way I can describe my day to day life intense heartache we feeling so blessed at the same time mm-hmm. and this amount of love in my brain trying to work out how to cope with that on a day to day basis Yeah, it's a struggle mm-hmm. and it's difficult but uh, just every time I look at him, I'm just thinking, I'm so lucky. What You're here. It, it's funny though, because you hear, when I first had Bonnie, I had two horrendous labours. Oh. Uh, but I, um, when Bonnie was here, I was I can't keep my eyes open. I'm so tired. Four day labour induction, um, emergency delivery was four sips then, but I couldn't even keep my eyes open. I said, someone needs to look after her, you know. Passed out. <laughs> and then I just remember waking up being like, Oh, oh, Bonnie, Bonnie. And she was there. Mm-hmm. But she was so still, I actually thought that she was dead. I mm-hmm. actually, I was convinced. I was like, who's looking after her? How long have I been sleeping? Uh-huh. She's not, she's dead. Like, I actually... Panic? Yeah, it was uh-huh. absolute panic. And then 
I then I heard lots of other mums like really struggling on their first night and some weren't enjoying it because it was oh no I didn't enjoy it I've it got was, you admit no yeah. it was brutal and as much as I love him and stuff it was nothing to do with Leo it was just I was exhausted yeah. like you're saying I was so tired but I was also just sitting like what's just happened there yeah emotionally physically everything you're so tired you just get a fear you're it's, in pain yeah it's just <sighs> it's it's mental isn't uh-huh. it I think with with Charlie because even though I'd had a more brutal labour second time round, it, uh-huh. it was half. It was two days rather than the full four, um, but it was, uh, and I was shattered and all that. I had more still, like I, I just got myself a bit more still because mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I just had a few moments where I was able to just enjoy it, uh-huh. you know, but it was like so much fear at the start, like you just. Just uh, the whole thing is just a, a roller coaster ride, and everyone has got their own stories, and uh, um, it's just. Uh, I just feel like I was robbed of the the labour experience. Because people used to say, "Don't worry about the pain; you forget all about it when you get the baby in your arms." Yeah. That wasn't our experience the first time. Yeah. And then the second time, it was more fear than yeah. anything. Because yeah. I didn't believe he was going to get here right up until that very last minute. Oh my goodness. So I just feel like, ah, oh, I had that jealousy of how I want, we wanted that lovely family bonding experience, but yeah. we got it, but it just took a lot longer for us. Yeah, it's just... But the thing is, you could see people on Instagram, I think, they've had the perfect experience, but nobody yeah. knows what's going on. Totally. You know, and it is, no matter what, it's never easy. It's never, and there'll be people that are, you know, you hear stories of people that, you know, want to harm the baby and like all these kind of mental health things. And Mm -hmm. it's just, there's so many hard challenges, but somehow we we can find a way through it all. Yeah. Somehow there is hope. There is hope. There is hope. And And that's why this has been such an incredible time with you because... It's given so much hope, you know, and um, thank you for sharing so much. Thank you for having me. I think I've just rambled on here. <laughs> no, it's, been, it's been incredible. Um, so inspired. And I think we're going to have to play some music now because, whoa, we need to, we need lifted by music and just to celebrate, you know, you and, and all that you're doing and, and your, you know, legacy that you've, you're leaving as well. Um, so thank you thank you so much for having me thank you incredible person and her sense of humour you're about to hear a story of why we picked this song blows my mind you fly hang fire for that in a minute with angels wings you got Sunday, 
my mundane come alive just like Tuesday you're a new day wake me think it would only be fitting to play Francesca's song which is the Stereophonics, You're My Star. We had that friends in our nursery waiting on her coming home um, and it was our funeral song but of course funnily enough for us we've chosen the acoustic version which was a beautiful violin one and at our funeral um, you've got to laugh they'd actually played the wrong version which was a rock version so Everybody thought Francesca was a wee rock baby. Oh, I guess. And now when we hear this version, it kind of makes us smile and laugh, and it's a nice wee memory. Oh, <laughs> you're a you're a legend. You're my star. I wonder uh-huh. if I know this song. Oh, it's beautiful. Let's get it on. And... You're my star. Do you have a song for Leo too? Or... We do, aye. Uh, 
<laughs> he was a bit of a Noel Gallagher fan when he was a baby. Most <laughs> <laughs> random thing. Um, he just seemed to really love this song if I had a gun by Noel Gallagher. <laughs> oh, really? I love that one. He, he used to just sue them. Aye, uh, so he still loves it. Um, he's more of a Gummy Bears fan. <laughs> But we're getting into music in our house. <laughs> oh yeah. Very special place for it. I look in your podcast though. <laughs> You're welcome to if you want. Miss my mom come alive. Just like she's been your music. Wakes me up. When still this is your Love it. It's good. I always love the song. Hearing other people's songs. You love the acoustic version as well. It's a beautiful song. I will be playing that, but I don't know. What a shame. The makeup's so gorgeous today. It's just tied off. Oh, it's still, it's still actually looking great. It's still hot. Hot a bit. That is stunning. You're a legend. Thank you.